broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Midtown Business Radio. Good afternoon, everyone. It's C.W. Hall, your host here on Midtown Business Radio. Thanks for making us a part of your day today. Joined in studio, as always, or almost always. Almost always. Krista Baruti. Which is so much brighter when I am, right? Engineer and producer extraordinaire. That's what I like to hear. Voice coach, too. Yeah. And voice talent. And by the way, watch that Perrier. You're making me nervous around the, the board. The Earth's first here. soft drink. I'll try not to spill it on the board. <laughs> Thank you. We're joined in studio today by someone I'm really excited to bring to you. It's Mike Shear of Frontline Selling. And I got to give a quick shout out to uh, our friends at Now Account. They introduced us to Mike. But uh, thanks for taking time out of your busy day today, Mike, and uh, joining us on the show. Well, glad to be here, CW and Krista. Looking forward to chatting with you today. Well, you know, I had a chance to talk to you a little bit after, um, you know, as I mentioned, the folks from Now Account introducing us, and and you told me a little bit about your background that kind of led to the genesis of frontline selling. So, take me through that. How did how did you get started? From what I understand, you used to do some inside work, you know, in lead generation and some selling, that kind of thing, and you were extremely successful. So kind of walk me through how it got started. Well, actually, um, actually, I'm a recovering enterprise software and technology (laughs) sales guy. So I spent about 18 years selling enterprise software, nine years in the ERP space with a company called J.D. Edwards, if you're familiar with. Uh, They're now part of Oracle. But um, I was actually a field sales rep and uh, had been there for uh, nine years and, and left J.D. Edwards in about 1998. And had a great run there and went over and, uh, you know, went to a couple startups. And, um, you know, it's kind of interesting where, you know, when you go from a company that grew to be a billion dollars and, you know, pretty decent brand in that space to, you know, you're, you're who from where and you're selling what. <laughs> and, um, and, but in that environment, I actually got to be pretty good at trying drumming up my own business. And, you know, I had to be your own kind of business development person. And, uh, and I couldn't understand why, um, you know, I was pretty good at it. And other sales guys would come to me and say, how'd you get into this account? Or how'd you get into that account? And I'd say, well, do this, do this, and do this, and leave me alone. I got to go sell something. So, um, but then I, I realized that, um, you, know, I, uh, you know, that these sales guys, they were really, really bright, except better salespeople than I was. But they had trouble doing sort of the, the prospecting stuff you need to kind of bang in and get into a new account. And, and I realized that it was because they probably didn't, you know, they, they there were some obstacles there that they were totally unaware of. And there were other obstacles that they imagined that were there. And so, you know, so decided and said, hey, you know, why don't we start this company, Frontline Selling? Um, I would happen to be working for a company that uh, that went out of business as a direct result of 9-11. I had mm. three small kids and how to make money somehow. So started this company called Frontline Selling. And uh, it was all about the original idea was to teach salespeople how to prospect more effectively. Uh, And then which was kind of hard to sell after 9-11. But people were real interested in the concept. And they came to us and said, well, hey, can you guys do this for us? And you know, and we said, you know, I had a partner who, who I brought on at the time, Dan McCann, and he actually convinced and said, you know, hey, we can't sell this training, but why don't we do this for companies? Because if you can teach me, we can teach anybody. And that's how we started the business, by actually doing prospecting and outreach for other folks. And after about a year and a half, one of our clients came to us and said, boy, you're really good at this. Can you can you teach us how to do it for, you know, us how to be better at it? And, um, and that's essentially been our business model ever since, uh, 
you know, ever since is, you know, we, we do one thing, we do it really well. We know how to get first appointments with the right people. Mm -hmm. We built a methodology and technology to do that. And now we, um, we either teach people how to do it and they license that technology and methodology, or we have a staff of folks who could do it for them. I think it's interesting because you mentioned the fact that in your opinion, uh, obviously it's somewhat self-deprecating and, and maybe exaggerated, but you mentioned the fact that some of your peers, were in your in your mind better salespeople than you, but yet in the end you were outperforming what you considered to be people that were better salespersons than you, uh, and and you were doing that because, you know, at least in my own experience in the marketing world, sometimes the hardest part is not having a conversation about your fantastic solution. Once you're talking to somebody, that tends to be self-evident when you're selling something nice, but. Getting that person to actually engage with you, call you back, write you back, answer your phone call. That seemed to be where you had figured it out. Uh, yeah, I think so. And, and it's, it's actually, you know, prospecting is the Rodney Dangerfield of selling, right? It gets no respect. <laughs> uh, it, it's something, if you ask 100 people what they should do to prospect effectively, you'll, you'll get, not only will you get 100 different responses but the uh the confidence in the guesswork of what one needs to do to be effective is 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 quite evident is that you know everybody really thinks they know what they should do but when that comes down to actually doing it either what they're doing doesn't yield the results and therefore you know it's just not very pleasant or they just not doing it the right way and again not getting the outcomes they want so so we just figured out that it's not so much that they don't have the talent they clearly have the talent as a matter of fact almost anybody can be effective at getting first appointments meetings with the right people uh, they just need to know what we've kind of figured out by doing this for 12 years and studying it 1.8 million times who to contact in an account how do you contact them what do you say as something as simple as what do you say in a voicemail or an email mm -hmm. and how many times do you follow up so you're not a pest to them and right we, just so we we kind of figured out the answers to all those questions we and built a technology around managing that process yeah and there's a distinction between prospecting and selling right i mean you know i'll take a swing at just my my layperson thought of what a prospect is and then you can tell me from there um you know because i may need some education but to me when you're prospecting you're not you're you're looking to speak to a potential customer within the, the set of companies out there that you would serve and you're trying to determine do they have a pain point that my solution solves at, at which point then you link them up with somebody who can help determine is this something that makes sense for you right now in the selling side is that correct Th that is that is correct there's definitely a distinction between prospecting and selling and, and actually one of the reasons when we kind of looked into this we found out that one of the reasons why most very talented salespeople were not successful at prospecting is because they think they need to sell their way into an appointment. Uh -huh. And, um, and, and, you know, so really taking the, the, you know, just like you have a, you think about it on one side, you have marketing and marketing automation and leads and all that kind of stuff. There's a whole cycle you take your leads through until one of them is worthy of being called. And then eventually you talk about you have a sales cycle. Well, you also have a prospecting cycle. There's a series of steps that you go through that is a, that needs to be as disciplined as you'd want your salespeople to be in the sales cycle. It's just that the outcome that you're looking for is 
a first conversation with the right type of person because no matter what it is you sell, uh, it might take you, you know, two days or two weeks or two months or two years to sell whatever you're going to sell right. to an account or an entity or whatever. And it might, it might take you 10 or 20 or 25 meetings, demonstrations, proposals, whatever it is, well, or, you know, steps in the sales process. Well, you can't do the 20th until you do the 19th. You can't do the 19th until you do the 18th. You can't do any of them until you do the first. So prospecting is an entity around how do I take leads, either someone who's expressed an interest in you, like a website hit, white paper download, connect with more of those, or those ideal client profile accounts, those target accounts, and how do I get more first conversations so I can determine whether they are an opportunity or not for me. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the things that I noticed uh, as I was kind of checking out your awesome-looking website, on the, on the blog that you have, uh, one of the things that you talked about there is telling a story, and that is, you know, you know, it has a pulling kind of feature to that. You pull somebody in with the story rather than pushing your way past them with some sort of, uh, you know, slick selling technique. Well, a- absolutely, CW. And, and, you know, every company has a story to tell. They, they're not, if they didn't have a good story to tell, if they didn't have a good product or service, they really wouldn't be in business. The, the number one challenge we find with sales organizations that just don't meet their goals, it almost always comes down to they just don't get enough opportunities to tell their story to the right person. And what frontline selling is all about and the staccato methodology is all about is giving them an opportunity to tell that story more often. Uh, whether we do it for them, we can we can tee up those opportunities for them, or we can teach them the best practices of how to do it for themselves. Mm-hmm. We've been talking with Mike Shear, the CEO and founder of Frontline Selling, and they're uh, an organization that helps companies uh, be able to have those conversations that uh, move their business along by helping them get more first conversations with people that are truly the decision makers that they would actually need to engage with to determine, do you have a problem that my solution solves? Absolutely. And and um, the interesting, you talk about sort of the push-pull before, and one of the main uh, um, uh, tenets of the methodology itself is based on the premise that um, that these people are not, you know, most people don't like the prospect because they got the evil gatekeeper who yeah. probably should have been blocking for Matt Ryan and, on Sunday, right? Yes. Um, or, um, or you know, you, you know, they're, you know, these people are hiding under their desk or have ten foot concrete walls around their office, and all that's there to keep them out. And, right. And nothing could be further from the truth, right? Because if you think you have to penetrate that infrastructure in order to get in and get that first appointment. You you have to think like a criminal in order to do so. So you're going to get the response that you fear the most. Mm. Uh, in reality, every one of the companies out there, they sell something. People may not know who they are, especially the, the business-to-business one. People may not know who they are. People may not wake up in the morning saying, I need to buy one of these. But their prospects all have the business issues and pains that these organizations uh, routinely and perhaps uniquely solve whether they con- whether the prospects themselves consciously acknowledge it or not. So when we look at it and, and studied this and, and studied not only what works but the behavior of the folks you're prospecting into is we found that these people are not hiding under their desks trying to stay away from salespeople. These people have 
not only want to talk to salespeople, but they have an obligation to talk to salespeople because, after all, salespeople can tell them, you know, what best practices are, what's new in the marketplace, what their competitors are doing. Right. They have solutions to help these folks run their business better, faster, cheaper, more effectively. The problem isn't how do I swim across the moat or scale the wall. The problem is, you know, these folks, these key players, these executives, they only have time to talk to max a handful of salespeople in a meaningful way on a monthly basis, probably right. just two or three. Their time is very valuable. Yet there's two or 300 other folks trying to call these same folks. So the question is, how do you get to be chosen as one of those two or three? And it's a mindset differential. And once you get your mindset around the fact that these people want to talk to you, how do we get them to choose you? Then everything kind of flows from there. Then the the the, the all the reasons why the methodology and the process works as effectively as it does all emanates from that mindset that these people want to talk to you. Now it's just a matter of effectively communicating your message to get above the noise and do so in a way where people want to respond. And that's sort of the second part of it, which is, you know, we found that everybody believes that you should use multiple touch points when you're reaching out to folks, right? But, but you know, most people sort of you know, relegate that to just calls and emails and calls and emails. But any expression of your value proposition can get uh, uh, repurposed and and can permeate the entire organization. So it could it could be not only a voicemail, it could be an email, it could be a conversation with an administrative assistant, and and so the whole idea is is delivering those very carefully placed touch points in the right way, in a consistent fashion, in a proper frequency and interval. And what you find is is that not only do you get more people to respond to you, but because you're socializing this information and these people should want to talk to you, you're socializing it within the organizations you're prospecting into, they actually help you navigate. Right. They right. they Because they you, you might call the CEO or the CEO's admin and let's say you sell a sales and marketing solution. They are obviously not directly responsible for it, but guess who knows who is? <laughs> it's the CEO's admin. And they can not only point you in the right direction, but they can also help you deliver that message because I may want to call the VP of marketing and I may get I can get a binary response, yes or no. But if, but if I enlist other folks within the organization to carry my message, they're going to... It, and it happens so informally within an organization. Right. So, you know, you, you know, CWU forward something to Kristen, say, check this out. You don't, yep. you know, or vice versa. And it's just, you, you know, it's just a way of take getting the, the two, three, four hundred emails a day that everybody gets and, and raises yours to the top. I think it's interesting how you point out how your your, your mindset going in is is a is kind of a key component and i i know i've been you know in the you know i was in locum tenens for example for many years and that's very much you know prospecting and uh and then you know closing some sort of business and you you can certainly develop a mindset i know i was you know one of those early in you know that that kind of viewed that uh just like you described i've got to figure out how to get past this barrier um, and, and I think it's interesting how you describe the fact that if you can change your perspective on that individual and then think of them straight in as, as an ally or, or someone who could aid you, um, 
the subtle differences in your approach, the things you say, the tone of your voice, all of those things I think are changed by that that now make them you know, move you out of the toolbox. Okay, these are all tools that are calling me. I hate these guys calling me. This person here seems like a normal person or someone I can talk to for a minute. That That's exactly right. So part of it's the mindset, and then part of it's sort of the predictability of what happens on the other end of the line. So if you could take the mystery out of what ha- what happens when you even we're using speaking to an administrative assistant as as an example if you can take the mystery of that and you can actually predict what's going to happen on the other end of the phone or the other end of an email it makes things a lot easier to deal with if you know what direction to kind of put them in so um so the most people when they when they are struggling in this particular endeavor trying to get enough at bats or trying to get enough appointments or however they describe it is they, they have a, a playbook, and that playbook's got three pages in it. The first thing they try to do is build – It's the, the first page of the, is, is the list they're calling on. They try to build, buy, or steal a better list. And, you know, that list is never any better than the last one. If it's, you know, 60 or 70% accurate, even with my public school education, I could figure out that that's 30 or 40% inaccurate. So there's a third of your efforts, a total waste of time and effort. Right. The second page in the playbook is, well, why don't – you know, why don't I monkey around with the message? And um, it's it, it's sort of like that's sort of like monkeying around with your golf swing if you play golf, right? Yeah. You kind of change your grip or your stance, and then eventually, you know, you hit a good shot, but then you can't replicate it. So you really don't know what works, right? So it's kind of yeah. hard to. And, and so that's and and then the third thing is 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 well, what if I just dial the phone faster? I'll get some technology to dial it faster. But doing doing more of the same wrong things faster is just going <laughs> to perpetuate results. So so when we looked at it, um, and it's not the most sexy answer in the world, but we said, you know, it's really about, um, you know, prospecting is like the calisthenics of selling, right? It's, it's and calisthenics are like push-ups and sit-ups and jumping jacks. And what matters is not how many you do, but how well you do each one of them. Yes. So if you break the, you know, there's a right way to do a sit-up and a push-up in every other way. And if you break the prospecting cycle down into individual calisthenics and you figure out that not only um, you have that mindset, but now you are armed with the right way to execute your prospecting activities with perfect form, each one, and break them down. So just like there's a right way to do a sit-up in every other way, there's a right way to do something as simple as leave a voicemail or the circumstances to send an email. And once you understand how to execute those with proper form, the results are astounding. And um, I know we were talking a little bit before we went on the air, but you know, some of our, it is not uncommon for our clients to achieve you know, this is not 10 or 15 or 20 percent increases. It's not uncommon for it to be 100 or 200 or 300 percent increases in outcomes. So if they were getting, you know, 10 appointments a month, they're able to just by doing things the right way with the right mindset, but most importantly, with proper form and discipline, they're able to increase that from 10 to 20, 20, 25 20, or 30. It's it's dramatic. And uh, one one uh, there's many, many stories. But I, one I like to tell is a company called Agility Recovery uh, Solutions out of um, out of Charlotte, North Carolina. Here's a company that struggled. They had about they, they, over the years, it took them about 10 years. They have 5,000 customers. They sell, they happen to sell them to the small and mid-sized businesses. They sell disaster recovery solutions. And uh, they struggled mightily with building out their inside sales business development team. It took them four or five years. 
they could never scale it above two or three people. Every time they got to the third or fourth person, somebody would quit or they'd have to, they weren't productive, they'd have mm-hmm. to let them go or whatever. And then they implemented our solution in 2011. And within nine months of implementing our solution, they were able to grow from three people to 40 people. That's amazing. And now they did, they did, um, they had 5,000 customers. They did a thousand new customers last quarter, <laughs> and when they you ask them about their growth, they'll say there's three reasons, and we're you know that the fact that they implemented this solution was one of those reasons. I mean, there was other reasons. It's a well-run company, and you know they're in a really really good market, and they're 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 now the leader in that market. But the fact that they now have a way to consistently recruit people, hire them, train them, onboard them, get them productive, find opportunities, they. You know, and and they have a predictable way to scale their business. So, in that example, did they come in and have you train their people so that they could then treat? You know, obviously scale up their people that were there, but then also as they onboarded people, their own their own folks were then able to pass that along. Yeah. Well, at, at, when we started, they said, "Well, hey, we got this team, and we're not sure we can scale it. So, why don't you just do it for us?" And so they outsourced it for us for a short period of time, and I saw it start working. They said, okay, hey, this is working pretty good, so why don't you come in and, and teach us how to fish for ourselves? And uh, th- and that happens quite quite often, mm-hmm. quite often, because it's a hard thing for companies to build and scale, especially if they're trying to build an inside model. And uh, they, they tend to go through that sort of, do I outsource it? You know, they outsource it and they fail, and then they try to bring it in-house and they fail, and then they outsource it and they go back and forth. <laughs> And, uh, you know, the beauty of our model is we don't care if you outsource it or insource it or, you know, or some combination. We just we're not that concerned about how we help you solve the problem of getting more at bats. It's as long as we help you solve that problem. Mike Scher, CEO and founder of Frontline Selling, has given us some great insight as to how your business can get more first appointments with the people that your business needs to talk to to move forward. And, you know, talk about your solutions a little bit if you can, because um, you, you offer a couple of different things that you, you mentioned the fact that one of the options that a company has is to have your team come in, give you their prospect list, if you will, their ideal client, uh, and then you'll contact them, get them set up with uh, the first appointments, you'll identify who, who needs your solution and then they can then close them on, on business. Or you'll come and engage with their particular existing staff, get them trained up or note up, as I like to say, and on how to do it right and, and, and increase their productivity from their own internal staff. Who, who, you know, take me through your solutions and then kind of explain, if you will, who needs to interface with frontline selling? Sure. Well, um, the 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 two solutions that the 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 methodology is called staccato and uh, and it's the methodology to get more first appointments with the right people and there's a technology underpinning to that and we make and and, and but the outcome is still the same you get a first first appointment we make money from that capability two different ways one is as you said we they can outsource that process we call that staccato in motion and that's where clients hire us and we have about 35 folks in Alpharetta, Georgia who are skilled up in the methodologies and technology and they can they can hire that resource to represent them. Uh, all, all we really need to get started is we don't need any fancy lead lists or anything. All, that, all we need to do is understand who their ideal client profile account looks like. 
and we can do the rest. If they have leads, if they have contacts, whatever, that's fine. Usually, you know, most people's contact data that they have is less than stellar. <laughs> so, um, so, but we'll actually enrich it. We'll not only get them those appointments, but we'll also enrich in that database. So it's a, it's a very turnkey solution and service there. The second way is what we call staccato on demand, and that's where they license our methodology and technology. And if they have something like a Salesforce.com, the right, method, I was going to ask snaps about right that. Into, okay. Snaps right into Salesforce.com. But that is all the knowledge and best practices of who to contact and what to say, all the support they get from us, but then also an application that manages all their prospecting cycle activities within within their CRM. And it, it's a cool app. It, 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 it kind of... You know, sales guys don't like using CRM applications. This is yeah. it's kind of guides them through it. They don't have to type much. It's just kind of check boxes of what they did because it's all predictable and teachable and repeatable. Uh, but it also, because it's built on this foundation and a study of 1.8 million calls and outreach efforts, one of the things sales guys love about the app is that it they get more out of it than they put into it. So they just tell the app what they did. I called somebody, left them a voicemail, spoke to Sally, the admin, whatever I did. And then uh, one of the, the silent killers of business development is, is answering the question, uh, either consciously or subconsciously, who do I call first today? Because everybody signs into their CRM application and they get all the, you know, they all, they, you know, they all have way more people to follow up with than time that day to, to call. They get all the reminders going off on in the yeah. in the CRM application, which they you know dutifully uh, you know ignore like the car yes. alarm in the parking lot, yes. right? Yes. So so there. it's who do you, who do you call first? So what what the system does is based on who you've reached out to, how you've reached out to them, runs it up against that 1.8 million, and and then uh, organizes and prioritizes your follow up. So if you have 100 people to follow up and only have time to make 50 calls, it'll tell you who is the 50 people who are statistically most probable to want to have that first conversation. It's the same application that our folks use. It's why we're so productive at it and why our, why our clients get those two, three, four hundred 400% increases in productivity. I, I, I'm, you know, I'm fascinated by what you do. And on, honestly, I would love to walk in behind the curtain and watch you all do what you're doing. So can you, can you give an idea of who, who needs you know, your solutions? Because I mean, it's not just based on what I'm hearing, obviously companies that do have an inside component, whether it's lead generation and or sales, obviously that's, that's automatic, but it sounds like it's not just that company, you know, because everybody needs leads for their outside salespeople to mm -hmm. go see. So it seems like that would work too. Yeah. The, the, the profiles, and when we have the two offerings and there's, there's um, two slightly different profiles, depending on the offering. For the staccato on demand, it's typically a company that has this obviously sells B two B. They sell um, they have you know anywhere from ten or more salespeople, and some of them are in the inside or phone based variety, and they can benefit from getting more first appointments and you know and have some discipline around that. That's that's a good profile. Uh, the complexity of their sale doesn't matter if it's a transactional sale or anybody can benefit from it from the other side when they're hiring us staccato emotion that tends to be uh you know sometimes we it, it could be the biggest companies in the world or it could be a you know two partners and a startup in a garage it, it could be anybody who um you know uh, um needs to get more first appointments 
they, they you know they might want to hire us instead of hiring their first employee or whatever or it could be a big company that just needs to augment and get into another territory or a new vertical market or whatever so uh, but typically it is somebody who sells something of a complex nature solution who uses us on on that side of the business? Mm-hmm. I just um, you know I, I I'm very pleased to be here and 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 sharing this information just because I feel like I mean in my mind I've already got you know people I've oh I've got to refer them to you because we'll uh, take you them know, all. We've <laughs> talked about you know one of the conversations that I was having it's uh, they're with a company that's enterprise software based you know aimed at you know human resource management you know mm-hmm. different type per- time and per- it's all those types of things where. You, you call in and it's hanging up on you. They don't want to talk to you. Um, <clears throat> and you talked about the fact that their, their, their lead generation is the weak link. They, get, they basically get everybody they talk to. And then they get on the phone from, as a salesperson thinking this person has indicated they have an interest. And then it turns out that they're three years out you know, from being able to leave their contract and they've mm-hmm. dialed the call and wasted their time. Right, right. So. Uh- you know, just we, we, we see that all the time. You, you had made a, a comment about, you know, getting behind the curtain. And, you know, there, <laughs> there's really not a secret to this. But one of the things that we we do, we are welcoming anybody who would like to kind of get behind the curtain. One of the things we're we're sort of famous for is that uh, we've made this process so predictable, so repeatable and take all the guesswork out of it that we would when we do our training and, and we do this sometimes in our sales cycles as well but when we do our training uh we're 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 not only teaching them how to do that but salespeople are always going to say well is this really going to work for me is it going to work in chicago it's going to work on tuesdays or whatever yeah um and the, the answer to the question it'll do that it'll work in you know we've done this on six continents we've done it for twenty thousand salespeople, all different product services verticals uh probably 20 different languages and it works the same way every single time in fact one of the things we do in those is that to demonstrate it works we have them give us an account to call and we call them in front of them and then we tell them exactly what's going to happen before it happens exactly even down to the responses we're going to get from the people and it's, it it's like it's, magic. It's it's it's, it, it's it's really not. It's just it, when you kind of get into the details of it, just it all it does is it just um, we always like to work within human behavior rather than shape human behavior. Mm-hmm. So we know how people react to certain things and they react in a very, very consistent way as long as you approach them in a certain fashion and you can actually generate the outcomes you want. So that's, we do that to really in, show people, you know, there's, first of all, there's not magic, but you, you do have to know what you're doing and yeah. it's, but it's not that hard to, once you know what it is, it's, it's, you can, it's just a matter of replicating it. Uh, but it gives them the confidence that, yeah, we, you know, if, if you take the guesswork out of it, if you knew what was going to happen, most people would feel much more comfortable doing this activity, and we take that mystery and guesswork out of it. And so in terms of de- determining which solution makes the most sense, you just kind of sit down with them and kind of have a little consultation as to what are your goals, what's your setup, and all of that, and, and then from there they can kind of determine, okay, this is the way we want to go. Yeah, I mean, a lot of times it's it's cultural. They may have just gotten off of a uh, a scenario where they or they were came from another job or whatever and they tried to outsource it and it failed and it just they're not 
culturally they're not or, or politically it's not not good for them to outsource it they want to insource it or vice versa they just tried to build out a team internally and they weren't successful so you know the ceo of the company swears off you know <laughs> hiring inside salespeople. so uh it's just part of it's just a matter of where they are in that in, in a life cycle, uh, what they want to do culturally. Some people just don't want to manage the process or hire the people. They just prefer to outsource it. And, you know, they say, hey, this is not our core competency. So it's really just that's all comes into play. And um, and then from there, we'll formulate a recommendation of, of where we think they're going to be most successful. In some cases, it's one. Some cases, it's the other. Some cases, it's 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 both. They might be wanting to build out a team or scale a team, but you know they need to get to market quickly. So we'll, you they know. can transition. They can they start can. here and kind of transition over. Exactly. I gotcha. Exactly. So for the folks that are listening, you can link up with Frontline Selling at FrontlineSelling.com. On there, they've got some excellent information. It's a really nice-looking website that they've obviously put some pride into. On the website, you can link up with them on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Uh, obviously, the Midtown Business Radio Show is already in the process of doing that. So folks that are following the show on Twitter and Facebook at Midtown BRX, you'll be able to uh, find our friends here at Frontline Selling and be able to get some great information. They've got the blog out there with some great articles articles that uh, can give you some additional insight behind what they're doing and how to kind of help guide you in terms of improving the rate at which you get those important first uh, appointments with your potential clients out there. And before we have to go, do you have a final thought or two for the folks that may be listening, trying to decide how do we build our business or, you know, what should we do? Um, the uh, the only thing I, 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 I consistently tell people is, and we, we, we had covered it before, is you have stellar solutions. You wouldn't be in business, and you gotta believe that these people wanna talk to you, they should be talking to you. Figure out a way to get them to choose you as one of those two or three people they have time to talk to this month, and everything else will flow from there. Well, you gotta come back on again sometime. This is awesome information, um, a lot of fun talking to you. Wanna say thanks real quickly to Krista Baruti who as you always say, push my buttons. He always steals my line. Thanks for letting I me push your it. buttons. You know, I swiped it. You know, I give you credit. <laughs> well, well, I appreciate. Get your own tagline. <laughs> I, I appreciate being invited on the show. Ha, had a blast and would love to come back. You got to bring a delighted client next time who can talk about you know just stories. the transition that you took their business through because we want to give them some uh, some exposure as Absolutely well. But I'm will. sure that'd be a great story. So. The folks who come on our show, Mike Share being one of them, uh, are extremely business, uh, busy executives who uh, make time to share some excellent information with us. So thanks again to Mike Share at Frontline Selling. Thanks for making us a part of your day here on Midtown Business Radio. We'll see you all next week, same time, same place, 1 o'clock. 